man watching the show. Can you watch it separated from your work? Saturday's been beautiful. I uh, there's this little crepe shop near where I live, and they just they just uh, they just opened up their fall menu, and so I tried one of their new crepes. Got a, a pumpkin spice latte. The crepe had butternut squash, some corn salsa. Really, really wonderful. And they use all local produce, so it's just it was a really good good vibe. Watch some. Um, Watched a, a, a Halloween episode of The Office, and then I watched a Halloween episode of Roseanne today. So I'm feeling. Uh, you got some real fall autumn vibes going there. Yeah, I'm feeling spooky today. I've been waiting for like the feeling of like, okay, I'm gonna listen to these soundtracks. I'm gonna start watching the movies, but I've I've been trying not to force it. And today I felt it like, okay, decorations are coming, playlist has been made. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm wearing an orange sweatshirt. <laughs> How do you feel about Halloween, man? Where's where's your fall vibe at? Oh, I love Halloween. Yeah, um, yeah, I love Halloween movies, and uh, I love I love hitting up you know the candy on Halloween night. So we'll see how that goes down, if if at all this year. But um, uh, yeah, I love I love Halloween. It's one of my favorite uh, favorite you know times of the year. I think I think it has like the most the strongest vibe of any. I mean, Christmas is debatable. But like Halloween just goes head first into the vibes of the holiday. I think it's so wonderful. Because I think the weather really, yeah. Because I'm in Michigan, and so I I really get the quintessential weather for the holidays. And so right now, all of the leaves are yellow and red and orange, and it's just a little cold. And that that's choice for me around this time of year. Yeah, it's finally cooling off here in LA, but um, yeah, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The trees aren't as the trees aren't as pretty here. Right. Where are you from originally? Did you ever did you ever have weather like that? Um, I've moved around a bit. I'm originally from Texas. Um, Interesting. All right. I lived up in Seattle for four four years, and I lived in Colorado for five years. So uh huh. I feel like I've experienced it some places, but um, not necessarily in my childhood. It was more of a desert landscape. Yeah, were you were you in Texas for the majority of your adolescence? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I was in Texas until um, until I graduated high school, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's actually not true. So I, I lived in I lived in Texas <laughs> until I was twelve, and then I moved to Seattle for four years, and then I moved back when I was a sophomore in high school. And then I was there in Texas for a few more years, and then I went to college in Colorado. Wow, that's um, that's an interesting little roadmap there. Yeah. How was that? How was that experience? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, my parents are divorced, and so when I went to Seattle, I was living with my dad. Uh huh. Um, and then he moved to Brazil for business. Then I moved back with back with my mom. Whoa. Um, yeah, and I really loved Texas, though. So I'm actually really happy that I moved back my my high school experience in in texas was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. um but it's weird because now i've lived in los angeles 
longer than anywhere else I have ever. How long have you been in L.A.? It's a weird feeling. It makes, makes me feel old. Um, I've lived here since 2005. Wow. Yeah, that's a minute. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes me feel old. Have you visited Colorado or Seattle or Texas in recent years or since you've moved to L.A.? Um, not Seattle or Colorado. Actually, I've, I've visited Colorado, but not Boulder where I'm in school. I've been to Denver a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I've been back to Texas. Nice. I was supposed to go back again this summer, but the, the pandemic kind of yeah. changed those plans. Yeah, have have you noticed? How's Michigan? Um, <laughs> so did, how, how's everyone taking the news of the uh, possible militia abduction of the governor? Well, it's interesting, man, because <laughs> I, I don't know how much it's been covered nationally, but there was just the Supreme Court ruling that um, the governor's like executive order was unconstitutional, and then... So, so like the the executive order saying that you had to wear masks in public and all that that was considered unconstitutional, and so it was basically striked. And then, shortly thereafter, the governor basically did something with the Michigan Health Department. I'm not sure what the actual organization is, but basically they reinstated a very similar order just through a different organization to try and bypass that. So, as far as I know, it's essentially the same order uh, being put up, but they're also saying that they might kibosh that so there's that going on there's definitely a lot of people like taking the supreme court ruling as like well we don't have to wear masks anymore because definitely at least where i'm at um and in a lot of places in michigan there's a lot of conservative viewership and a lot of people who have the no masks mentality and that sort of vibe um i mean michigan was one of the places where i first noticed and it could be because i live here but like there was it was the first time that i really heard of like anti-masking like, I didn't really expect that to be a super powerful movement. I kind of thought it was going to be, like, a silly couple of pockets of the internet. But, like, there were, like, there was a group of, like, 40,000 people on Facebook that were, like, it was right when all those protests started cropping up of anti-mask protesting. Um, and that was really right. big in Michigan. And so that there's definitely that population there of people that have been wanting uh, Whitmer to go. But I'm... I'm curious about the militia thing because, first of all, the use of the word militia is really curious um, because I think that if the people who were the people who are being accused weren't white, uh, the story would be very, very different. And so there's been a lot of discourse around that and how there's just been a lot of people saying this is blatant, you know, um, domestic terrorism and shouldn't be referred to as like yeah. fluffy words as militia or stuff like that. So it's been strange, man. There's there's a lot of ego going on. There's a lot of um, just violence. But yeah, really people have just been speculating on the goofiness that is the whole kidnapping plot. Like, whoa. <laughs> and especially the root of it is Seriously. her trying to be safe. Like, I, I, I personally like completely understand the executive order. And, and Michigan was doing really well in comparison to a lot of other states for a decent period of time. And like the root of all the arguments just appeared to be like, we want to garden, we want to get haircuts, et cetera, et cetera, which, you know, I, I definitely think there's sentimental arguments to be made about daily life and the economy and things like that. But like the root of what she's doing is safety. At least that's what I've always felt in my heart. And so it's like that, that compassion and that wanting people to be safe 
definitely comes before any sort of uh, leisure activities. So it's it's just been an interesting uh, an interesting feeling. I think people have had it out for Whitmer since the beginning, and then there was the discussions of her being a potential VP, and so that made it extra political. When again, the whole virus thing is not even a political issue. Like I mean, it, it's being discussed as one, but at the heart of it, it's public safety. It shouldn't be a political issue. And then um, yeah, it's, it somehow it somehow kind of morphed into a political issue. Um, and I think that's mostly just because of the way Trump handled it. Yeah, absolutely. The way he he preaches to certain groups of people. I mean, I'm sure the militia people thought that they were somehow fighting his fight for him, you know? Yeah, I saw somebody say, like... And they they really are, they are domestic terrorists. I mean, I think people refer to them as militia just maybe because that's the way they refer to themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think, I think we kind of... I mean, we kind of all, in our in our heads, we've heard stories or, like, maybe seen shows about it or whatever, about these militias, whether it's in Oregon or Michigan or, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I feel like there's some in California. I feel like there's some in Washington State, too. I mean, yeah. like, they're all over the place, right? But you hear about them in some states more than others. Right. Um, it's like, I guess, a certain type of person. Um, gun, freedom-loving, which is weird, because, like, in Texas, there's, I feel like there are militias too, but I think they're—I don't know—somehow different. Mm-hmm. Um, I've yeah, I've heard a lot about yeah, Texas. Man, the, whole, the whole masking thing—it just took a—it just took like such a political turn, and it didn't—it's not really what it was supposed to be. You know, it's, <laughs> like you said, it's all about health and safety. Yeah, I mean that—that's—that's that's the way the ego thrives. That's the way when when you are firmly engrossed into one side of a two-sided system, you have to keep up that charade of being against something and you know when you're feeling that way you can attach anything to it it seems so that was just another thing right. and, and of course yeah. like you said as soon as trump says anything well there you go there's your there's your validation there's your reason to get angry or whatever if if that's who you've been looking towards for the past couple of years as a means of feeding your ego as a means of like yeah you know screw those guys or whatever whatever the thought process is and then trump said liberate yeah, it's, it's interesting because trump like his supporters you know there's obviously some people that vote for him based on tax reasons or the economy or whatever else but there's this other faction of his supporters that are very cult-like <laughs> you know what i mean yeah man uh, it's it's weird i mean they like view him and like not like any other political figure in american history i feel like it's more of a very it has a very foreign feel to me it's like it's almost like a cult figure, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I think it's like... I try to think of it as like a television show because like characters in a television show can do really immoral and like terrible things, but you're still going to root for them or like do whatever because TV shows want you to pick sides. They want you to attach to personalities and like he's the strongest personality ever. And so like even when he does stuff that's outlandish there's still the part of the supporter that's like, well, that's my guy though, you know, like, whoa, but I mean, that's my guy. And I think it's because he's done such a, you know, forgive my wording here, but a really beautiful job of dividing. And like, when you want people to be against other people, then all you have to do is say, I'm on this side. And that's, that's what all the arguments are for. Like, 
anything negative that's said, it's like, okay, well, that's fake. That's not true. That's just the other side trying to get at us. And it, for people who want to hear that, it always wins in the argument because that's all that needs to be said is like, well, it doesn't matter. That's fake. And so I just think it's like entrenching in that. And like Trump tweeted, I don't, I don't remember at what point, maybe this was like right after the shutdown or something. I think it was right around the time the protest that came out, but he tweeted liberate Michigan in all caps, which is like, whoa, dude, like a, a lot of people in Michigan who support him perhaps saw that and was like, yeah, that's right. We're being, we're having our, our freedom stripped from us. We need liberation. And it's, that creates some really serious mentalities, um, similar to those of a militia trying to kidnap someone so it's yeah totally i mean it, it goes back even to to like i mean kind of even before the pandemic and like there's just so many of them that you kind of forget but i remember that you know i'm i'm from el paso texas and there was that shooter who went and shot up the walmart and he wasn't from el paso he was from like the dallas area yeah and he wasn't they went to his like facebook page and stuff like that and you know it was kind of deduced that you know he kind of felt like he was on a mission to fight illegal, like to kill illegal immigrants. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Which, you know, which is like an ideology that's like implanted into people's heads. And when you implant an idea into someone's head who's young and volatile and probably has some mental illness involved, it just, it's like a brush fire, man. It, that kind of negative thought and racism is just, it, it really spreads and grows quickly. Well, it's with the wrong type of people. Yeah, man, it, it's scary because of how easy it is. Like, even though the truth of the matter is that it's ultimately like most easy to practice compassion and empathy and love. Like, that's the easiest place to be if you really feel it, because it's there's nowhere it can't be applied. But on the other hand, it's similarly easy to hate. Like, it's it's a really easy thing to do because similarly to saying you know i love everybody or or i want peace and whatever it is or trying to find the the kindness underlying all the issues it's just as you just say well i hate this group of people or i hate this idea of thinking because you can just always say that you can always regress back to well it doesn't matter because my identity says that i'm against it and i think that's the kind of personality that's being nurtured in a way or even encouraged i mean look at the debate like when when Trump was asked to denounce white supremacy and like, I haven't watched Trump speak for like an extended period of time in a minute, just because it's usually not energy that I'm interested in being around. Like I, I send him the compassion I can. Cause I know that he's gotta be a troubled person inside. But like when Biden just said like, do it, like denounce it, he just said, do it. And there was just like three to four brilliant seconds of just like silence and that was right. that was shocking to me because it's like wow, he just for you know he just sat there, and that that's what's really interesting. Yeah, and it's like you know, and then the, and then those guys like the Proud Boys or whatever they they see that like you said about the Liberate Michigan thing. It's the same thing. It's like oh, they feel special because like someone shined a light on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's like it's like a call to arms. It's really what it is for them. You know. Yeah, they've they've already made shirts and merchandise with stand by and stand back on it, and then even even after saying that, he immediately just said, "Okay, well, the radical left in Antifa, you know, which are the buzzwords that that's what's actually heard." 
you just you just hear these buzzwords and you're like yep okay cool i can still continue to just hate this weird bubble of people that i don't even know what i'm talking about but he said it so yeah it's bizarre man yeah and, and people yeah people think they hold on to every word that he says and because there is so much disinformation out there i mean i feel like that's our biggest problem right now in our country is people being people thinking something is true when it's not mm-hmm. you know and people not really knowing what's true and what's not yeah There's so much just like literal lying going on no that shocked me in the debate yeah. like in the debate that was one of the first times that i watched trump like just like lie like no not even a white lie not a half lie but like he just lied just straight up and it was right. like whoa so he's he's completely willing to just lie like it, it, i think it was maybe yeah, a, I mean, around the tax questions but like they have to like beg him to answer because he's so good at snaking around things like when they were saying just like how much did you pay in your taxes did you pay this much did you pay this much they asked it like five or six times and he's like well the left blah 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 and they're like well no did you pay it and then i think he just said no or like i paid more than that and he just lied he just lied about it boldface and that's what's scary is like the the people who are going to believe him aren't willing to even care enough to look it up and see if he is lying and see they're like okay well he said it so and he knows that he i think he knows that that he has that power to just say what he wants and he'll be listened to right yeah he's infallible to them yeah you know what he says is is, is gospel <laughs> that's why it kind of feels culty to me in a lot of ways where you know it's like i feel like in the, in the history of our country it's like a lot of people they're like oh i, I like this president but if the president that they like does something wrong or lies about something they're like oh well that was not good but when when trump does that his his followers are like they just defend him yeah no matter what no matter what he does i think i think him getting the virus is one of the very first times i've seen any sort of like really strong republican backlash like whether it be in some comments i've seen or some polling like that seems to be the only thing that is really a little bit given a sort of wake up call of like what what evidence could be shown more clearly that he hasn't done a decent job of handling the virus than the fact that he got it like what could what could possibly be right. more <laughs> indicative of that and so i've seen i've seen some republicans react to that negatively um but yeah still on on your general forum or chat forms it's still like well you know this or that or the other but yeah i mean it's an interesting time yeah, I, mean, I, I, I saw that he was i don't know if it's actually happening today or not but there was a couple of days ago i heard that he was trying to do another big gathering like on the white house lawn today <laughs> which is so crazy because that's like where that, that, like all of the republicans <laughs> got the virus dude watching Uh, watching like a a couple weeks ago when i was watching reddit over those like the three days after he was admitted it was like every day a new republican was tested positive yeah like kellyanne conway tested positive (laughs) like boom 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 chris christie i think chris christie's still in the hospital as far as i know yeah i mean 
I don't know if he has diabetes, but he's clearly extremely overweight. Yeah, um, I mean, he's not he's not in the best pocket for having gotten it. I mean, neither is Donald, but it's tough, man. I mean, you just want to see you just want to see empathy. That's that's all it is. Like it's just it's just exhausting to see someone who wants to have division, who feeds off of division, who feeds off of inciting hatred. It's just, it's not going to work that way. <sighs> yeah, I know. I mean, luckily it feels like he is, I mean, it feels like people are, I know, I think we're, we're all scared because we have this memory of 2016 and it, it felt like there there wasn't going to be any way that he could win. Uh-huh. Um, and it kind of feels like that right now. Like, you think to yourself, you're like, man, is there any way that he could pull this off? And it doesn't feel like he can. Right. But at the same time, we all have this memory of he did it last time. So who knows? Right. You know what I mean? I, I did see a... Especially living in L.A. We, I mean, it's L.A. is admittedly a bubble for, for me. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. You know, I'm from Texas, so I definitely, like, have a lot of people on social media that are Trump supporters and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And my girlfriend's from Mississippi, so, you know, she uh-huh. says the same thing. So it's hard to, t- it's hard to say, you know, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. I saw a statistic that this I was... I can't think of a more depressing thing, though, if he does pull it off. Man, that's just going to be... No, man, it's tough. It's tough. Expensive. It's just... It just looking at how... Even people who are progressive and thoughtful and loving and empathetic, you can just see that he succeeds on both sides. Like he has succeeded one in encouraging those who have hate in their heart to be more hateful, to be more violent, to be more divisive. That's just the state of things. And he's also divided those people against even those who are against him, you know, and even people who aren't for him have developed a hatred for him so they're still losing they're still letting him win in in the act of hating him they're still falling into the divisive category so it's that's the problem is just having like that energy you can just feel it you can feel it in the country you can feel it everywhere you go like just like even driving around my small town in michigan and seeing all the signs like they're these strange acts of like hubris almost it's like, what are we, what are we actually trying to say here? You know, are we just, it, it really, it does feel like a reality show. Like it feels like the biggest reality show of all time. And people are just taking it like really seriously. And it's, it's scary. Cause it's, it's really easy to use it to forget about what we're actually rooting for here. You know, actual compassion, actual equality, actual thoughtfulness, but yeah, all, all I can do is be optimistic that those who couldn't vote or didn't vote now feel a call to or empowered to. And I, I saw a statistic probably three to four weeks ago, and it said, like, this time in 2016, like, 8,000 people had voted. And this time it was, like, 865,000, if I'm not mistaken in that statistic. Right. So if that's the case, you know that could provide some optimism that people feel called to. I know my, my parents didn't vote in 2016 and they definitely voted now. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it's just also a, um, 
I mean, it was already bad right before the pandemic, but because so many people have so much more free time, you know, a lot of people are not working. A lot of people are working from home. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot more time for people to be watching the news and to be going on social media and reading online articles and Mm -hmm. seeing the comments. Like it's, it's almost impossible not to, like I've had to make a conscious effort to watch less news right and uh you know i even you know deleted facebook off my phone after i watched the social dilemma that documentary because i realized it was just kind of invading my thought process you know what i mean and there's yeah you you were just talking about there's so much negativity and so much divisiveness that it's yeah it's like a plague yeah (laughs) but hey man balance comes out so that that's what this all is it's a it's a there's a there's a really big lesson here and uh yeah i think i think love is coming out i definitely think love is coming out especially in the civil rights movement especially in like yeah when when you see this much hate it's like man we just gotta not be like this and i i see it in in younger folks so that's the hope but hey we've been talking about this for about a half hour do you want to talk about your work and uh, your show or any of that. You know, it's funny because what we're talking about, you know, I was just watching the season two of The Boys, um, uh-huh. rewatching it, and like I was watching this. I think it's the the seventh episode. Um, you know, it starts off with this guy who's seemingly like similar to like one of these militia guys, or like one of the, you know, the, the terrorist who went to El Paso and shot up the Walmart, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. he's watching, listening to all these podcasts, like Alex Jones type, you know, right wing, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, Russian Limbaugh types, you know, he's watching them and he's listening to them. And then, you know, with, with, with the boys, it's like kind of very much similar to our current political landscape, but with them, it's like super terrorists or super villains, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, Stormfront and Homelander are like telling all of their followers that like you have to you have to stand up and, and stop the illegals and you know, <laughs> stop the supervillains, yeah. these foreigners from taking over our country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're basically white supremacists. Yeah, white supremacists. And then that guy, you know, goes and kills the convenience store. <laughs> yeah, guy. you know, uh, it, it's so crazy, like how like similar it is to our current political landscape mm-hmm. um which is really cool you know it's, it's cool to see that kind of that kind of those kind of topics in something yeah you know what i mean i don't know if i haven't it's been very current and they you know they wrote that they wrote that episode you know way before any of that, that stuff happened which is pretty cool yeah i was i was watching Watchmen the other day too and there was an episode that was so very poetic and meditative on the current civil rights movement and black lives matter movement and it's it's really beautiful to see like and, and even i'll use south park as an example actually i also just watched the hour i, I just watched the hour-long south park covid special and that's the first time i've watched south park in probably like five or six years and like even them there just seems to be this disparity of like you know what every platform we have we got to use even if it's even if there's beautiful superhero situations and there's other stuff that's obviously very important it seems voices are really understanding the value of their platform and using it to speak um i've noticed that in south park 
a lot actually like it's 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 interesting how they how current they maintain things but it's it's something when like the most satirical show to ever be created is like there's a moment where they say go vote (laughs) you know it's like wow there's there's a movement here that's it's nice to see that right yeah it is it's really really beautiful How did that? Yeah, how, I, mean, I think everyone feels they need to like kind of chime in. You know what I mean? Because it is yeah. like you were saying, like the most divisive time in our nation. It feels like in my in my lifetime, the most divisive time. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, how did that? Everyone feels the need to kind of like chime in and stand up and try to do their part to bring things back to a, a, a more compassionate, you know, vibe to our country see that yeah that's what makes me feel good you know because that that's what's coming out of it with with excess hate there is bound to be excess love it's just how it balances out and you can definitely see it if you look closely you can see you can see it how have the award shows felt to you during all of this do they feel kind of silly or what do you think it, I think it's just a bummer. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> uh, you know, it's like everyone's trying to, everyone's doing their best to, you know, do things, have these experiences that we're all used to having, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you know, if you're if you're into film and television and stuff, you look forward to seeing these award shows. And, mm-hmm. and we're trying to do them, like, you know, as, as normal as they can be, but they're just not. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's a real bummer, in my opinion, but but it's not like they shouldn't try, you know. Yeah, I hear you. <sighs> tell me, tell me about your sound editing, man. How did you get into that? What do you do? How does it make you feel? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up playing uh, in bands, kind of is how I first got into sound, I would say. Um, and then, you know, in college, I was studying I was in the journalism school and I was like studying broadcast production which was more like a radio and television mm-hmm. um, background and then I moved to LA and I was, I was wanted to I, I really liked sound I really liked working with sound and I like you know really wanted to like make records at times back when I was young and mm-hmm. like maybe be a record producer and like I wanted to work in a recording studio so that's why I moved to LA wow Red. Um, and in that pursuit I um I went to, after I finished my four-year degree, I, I did a year-long audio engineering program that was just all, you know, learning how to work on mixing consoles and, and that kind of thing, and I was doing internships at recording studios, but that was kind of like right around the time where all the recording studios were kind of closing down, you know, in 2005, was like learning, was like switching over from analog to digital, and everyone was building their own studios in their homes and stuff like that, so a lot of the studios were closing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that audio engineering program, technical school that I was in, they had a couple of post-production sound editing courses where they just taught you the editing software Pro Tools, which is the same, you know, platform that a lot of musicians use to make music. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, wow, I could, you know, I could do this as like a job. I didn't really even know that that (laughs) kind of thing existed, you know, Mm -hmm. at that age. Um, I mean, I guess I knew in the back of my head that it had to exist, but I knew nothing about it. And it was kind of an eye-opening experience to take those classes and then realize that there's this whole industry of sound people that work 
you know, after they shoot the shoot the show or shoot the movie, there's mm-hmm. people that go in and like add all these extra sounds and, and do all that stuff, you know, which I fell in love with, you know, immediately. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into it, um, in a roundabout sort of way, but yeah, I'm really happy. Cool, man. So what was your first project or how, how was your, what was your bust into the industry? Whatever you want to call it. Uh, well, my first, I got a job as a runner, um, at a post-production facility. I did that for like a year. Mm-hmm. And then my first, um, my first like real union job was, um, as an ADR recordist. Mm-hmm. So I like was the, you know, person that would record all of the additional dialogue that had to be recorded in post-production, whether it's, you know, replacing bad production audio or doing voiceover or mm-hmm. ad lines, that kind of thing. So that was my, that was my job. I was at, at that facility. I was the ADR recordist. And then I slowly, you know, got to know the, the sound editors and the sound supervisors and the mixers that are on the facility. And then I started editing sound effects a little bit here and there and edited some dialogue. Um, so yeah, that was, the back then it was, I worked at this facility that, that's no longer in business, but we did mostly films and independent films. Like my first real editing, sound editing credit was on this movie with Viva Mortensen called The Road, mm. which is pretty cool. Yeah, you've got yeah, you've got quite the credit list, man. What's that? You've got quite the credit list. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been doing it, you know, thirteen or fourteen years now. It's been a work in progress. Do you think you think you want to keep doing that? You think this is the vibe? Yeah, I'm really happy. Yeah, I really, I really like my job, and I really like the people that I work with um and the, the the people that i'm working for now for Mosa group uh it's just a really a great vibe um you know a lot oh, of the different sound facilities have different vibes to them and mm-hmm. this, this one that i'm working for now is it's just a bunch of rock stars there they're all <laughs> really cool and they really care about taking care of their people um so yeah, it's, it feels great, you know, to get to get the like a proper amount of time to finish a project and that kind of thing is really yeah. in our business. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Oh, well, thanks for sharing, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Of course, dude. I think I think this is definitely enough material. Um, we could talk about some. Do you, is there anything? Is there anything on your mind that you want to talk about that we haven't discussed about what you do or how you do it or how you got to where you are? No, I feel like we've covered the bases. I, mean, I feel like we've touched <laughs> on uh, a few things that are more important than uh, work. Yeah, man, that, this has been weird interviewing people because it's like, what do we talk about? You know, <laughs> what do we talk about? Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it, it's the very. It's the strange. I, I don't know how we're all gonna look back on this, you know. But it really is just like the strangest time ever. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't really picture a stranger time. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> there, I mean, there like there's just, and it's not just the United States. It's all over the world. It's like people are, you know, confined to their small spaces. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Even though maybe you aren't super confined, you kind of somehow feel like you are. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, 
sometimes I just try to get out and just go for a walk around my neighborhood, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, how, how have you been like, practicing? Once I, start, once, I, once I start walking, I'm like, oh my god, I've been walking for like an hour and a half, and it's been like the best time of my day. <laughs> how, do you, how do you practice uh, keeping calm and during this time well, actually i saw in an interview that you went on a camping trip you want to tell me about that i did yeah we, we went up to um redwood national forest up in like humble county northern northern california yeah so we started we went through big Sur, we went through up the one freeway which is like the pacific coast highway mm-hmm. up through big Sur, and um you know just like everything else this road trip was very much pandemic driven because <laughs> We couldn't stay in hotels. Um, yeah. We had to find, like, little places that had, like, exterior access. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to, like, plan your meals because, you know, there was no indoor dining. Um, so we were doing it very consciously, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was, you didn't really have a choice. I mean, their state was, California's been very locked down more than other places. So, yeah, so, yeah we went up to big, through Big Sur and, and up through, um, like, Carmel, and then we got up to, went up through the Bay Area, went over the Golden Gate Bridge, and all the way up. California is much bigger than you really think it is. But um, <laughs> we got up to Redwood National Forest, um, backpacked in, mm. um, which I hadn't done backpack camping in a really long time. Um, what is that like? Which was a lot. It was really cool. <laughs> you know, you're like out among these redwoods, mm. right around. We we camped right on Redwood Creek, which is like a mm. a couple hours hike in through the redwoods, and then you get on to this little creek that we use all the way through the redwoods, and I think it spills out into the ocean. Wow. Um, and you know these giant trees are just like it was so cool, and I, I wish I would have brought my my field reporter to record some sounds I'm really bummed I didn't because the, one of the crazy things at night when it was really quiet you would just hear these redwoods like making these crazy creaking sounds mm. back and forth yeah and it was really kind of spooky did you hear any fall <laughs> uh, any what did you hear any fall or see any fall no but they it was it's kind of scary because I mean I, I don't know if that super super common or if it's just because those trees are so big that once they fall they're just there for uh-huh. eternity <laughs> but yeah i mean there's these crazy huge fallen trees wow. all over the place and you know we were hearing the the trees creaking back and forth mm. and um they're talking man you could see like because we were right right next to the, the creek you know you could see where like in past years maybe the creek water had gotten up to a certain level so you could see the tree trunks were like a little bit wider from like maybe like the bottom yeah. five feet down and then you know, my girlfriend and I were sitting there talking like like some of these trees are, trees are creaking really loud and there's all these fallen trees around us and we're like man what if we just like take a tree <laughs> just, you know demolishes our channel we're sleeping dude it's so it's so interesting um, when you when you stop in nature it talks to you loudly and rapidly like nature wants to talk so much I, I've done similar trips where i've just gone to old growth forests in michigan and the creaking it, it feels like i'm like have i ever heard this before <laughs> like have i just not been listening to trees because they just go yeah and they creak and moan and it's amazing it's amazing how loud yeah but it's like they're so subtle it loud. it's like playful they're like playfully loud like there's nothing like abrasive or 
harsh. It's just like, hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and sometimes they're like really long. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw a tree, uh, I saw a tree break and fall this summer. It was the first time. And I, it was interesting. I was, I was doing some landscaping and a person I was landscaping with, for some reason that day told me about a time when he was really young. Cause he's, he was probably in his, I think he's in his fifties right now. And he was, he told me a story of when he was with his dad in a forest and he saw a tree break and fall and he said it always stayed with him. And it was just a really beautiful moment between he and I. And then I think probably maybe the day after, a couple of days after, my friend and I went to a forest and we saw a tree break and fall in front of us. And it was like this mo. It the was. Next day? It was within a couple of days. I really. It was definitely like. Wow. It was within a couple of days or the day after for certain because I remember noting to my friend like, wow. my my friend just told me this story about him and his dad, and it was so present like. To see something that active and had nothing to do with anybody around, like, and you know, it's the, it's the old adage, like, if a tree falls, is it heard, that sort of thing, and it just happened right there, and it was so, it was a big tree, it was really long, and it just fell and broke, and we just looked at it, and it's like, wow, how rad that we got to... Yeah, that's pretty powerful, especially that that happened, in, you know, that close to when you heard that story. Yeah. The universe heard and it was like, "Oh, you like that story? Well, here you go. <laughs> Here's one for yourself." So now, so now I assume you are gonna <laughs> next time you go to a forest, you're yeah. gonna see a tree break and fall. <laughs> yeah, I need to find my next uh, temperature. <laughs> I'm I'm going to West Virginia here in a couple weeks by myself, and I'm really looking forward to that. That that's my it's first. A yeah, there's this little tiny house that I found. It's like a it's through Hip Camp, which is similar to like Airbnb. But I'm just gonna go. It's it's like right in the in a mountain chain uh, in the middle of West Virginia. But I'm just gonna. I've never cool. I've never taken a trip on my own or really traveled on my own, and it feels it feels appropriate to do that. So I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I love I love traveling alone. Actually, I've taken. The big, some of the biggest trips of my life uh, alone. I went to Bali alone. I went to Thailand alone. Wow. Went to Honduras alone. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think that's really weird, but um, yeah, I mean, in my business, it's like you don't have, you can't, it's hard to plan ahead because you don't know when work's going to be there and when work is there, you just have to take it. You know? Yeah. So a lot of vac- vacation time is kind of forced vacation time. But um. Traveling alone is a very amazing experience. I think you, you know, just get to know yourself. Yeah, Getting man. to know yourself is important. <laughs> That's wonderful to hear. All right, man, this is about good for an interview, but I would love to chat again in the future once we can really just dig into maybe things aren't as, um, you know, <laughs> as energetic as they are yeah, now. Man, hit me back, uh, hit me back uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll reflect on everything that we talked about after the... <laughs> For sure. I would I would love to hear about your trips too. That sounds really, really interesting. Though.